Good morning, church. Before I begin my message or even pray, I want to ask and encourage you as we work through this preaching series on the book of Acts to please read the chapter that the Sunday message is coming from before we gather together on Sundays. I always mention which chapter the message is coming from in my email at the beginning of the week. Why do I ask you to do this? Simply because the messages do not cover every verse in the chapter. There are always things that are skipped over, not mentioned, or not emphasized as part of the message, but might be referenced in a later message, and it is always good to read the Word of God. So, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you speak to us through your Word whenever we read and study it. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would use me as your mouthpiece today as I bring this message and that you would open the ears to hear and the hearts to receive of all those who are listening to this message, be it now or at any time in the future. I ask this in the precious name of my Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, Oliver looked at Acts chapter 12. I trust that you've had time to watch the video on the church YouTube channel or listen to it on the church website. Looking at Peter's miraculous escape from the prison is what Oliver looked at last week. So that means that this week I'm looking at Acts 13. But I want to start by looking at the last verse of chapter 12. Acts chapter 12 and verse 25 says, When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem taking with them John, also called Mark. Going back a little further, at the end of chapter 11, we read about Barnabas and Saul going up to Jerusalem to take the gift that the church in Antioch had gathered to give to the church in Jerusalem in response to the prophetic word from Agabus about a coming famine. Barnabas and Saul returned to Antioch with John Mark, someone we don't hear a great deal about, but he is mentioned every now and again in the book of Acts. But he is quite a significant person, as he is the author of the Gospel of Mark. Acts chapter 13 is a pivotal chapter in the book of Acts. It's where we see a change taking place. This is the beginning of the focus shift away from Jerusalem, from Peter and the rest of the apostles based there, to the apostolic work of Barnabas and Saul, and then ultimately almost exclusively on Saul, soon to be known as Paul and the journeys that he takes preaching and teaching about Jesus and the redemptive work of the cross into the known world. It is the start of the fulfillment of Jesus' command to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Rather, I'm going to read portions of Scripture and then talk about them. Let's begin. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manain, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Luke lists five men as prophets and teachers, and it is generally accepted that they are listed in terms of age and importance, 
What this list gives us is a picture of a church that is multinational. Barnabas is from Cyprus. Simeon called Niger, which if you look at any study Bible notes, tells you Niger means black. And it's generally accepted that he was a black man or a man with a dark complexion. Lucius is from Cyrene, a province of the Roman Empire in modern-day Libya. So he too is either black or Arab. And Manan, who comes from an important family being raised with Herod. This is a very diverse group of men. But we need to remember that Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire and would have had people from many different nations living there, very much like the large cities in the world today. I believe that there are over 200 different nationalities living in London. And in our church, there are a number of different nationalities present too. There is an amazing sense of diversity and yet unity in this group of men. They are spending time worshipping the Lord and fasting when the Holy Spirit breaks in. I know most of us enjoy worshipping, but how many of us practice fasting on a regular basis or have time of fasting? I'm talking to myself here as much as anyone else. Fasting is an important spiritual discipline that is not very popular in the church today and is so easy to ignore. As prophets, these men would have been used to hearing the Holy Spirit speak to them and through them, and so they were not surprised by this word from the Holy Spirit. So after fasting and praying some more, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Barnabas and Saul are sent by God, and that's the the name of this message, sent by God. There are two important things to get from what happens here. The leaders release two of their best men to go and do what God has called them to do. They send out their best. You could almost say Barnabas is the most senior leader, and yet they are willing to release him, along with Saul, to go and do what God has called them to do. They don't try to hold on to them and argue with God that they are needed in Antioch, but they are willing to give away the best that God has given them. Jill and I come from a church background where this was emphasized continually. Send your best, not those you are having trouble with. If you can't sort out the troublemakers, don't send them to someone else or encourage them to go and church plant as far away from you as possible. Send out those that are going to leave a hole when they are gone. And that is why shortly, in the next two to three months, we're releasing Mike and Joe to go to Newcastle to do what God has called them to do among the people of that area. When Mike and Joe came to speak to Jill and I about this calling on their lives and asked for our advice and input, it was easy for us to say, go for it. Because we knew from when they first came into the church and we got to know them, that they were destined for more than just serving us as their leaders, but that they would be leading a church somewhere, someday. Now, we had hoped that they would be the ones to take over from us when it's time for us to hand over the leadership of Grace Vineyard. But when they spoke of the dreams and calls that God had given them, we knew it was right to help them, encourage them, and release them to go and pursue that call. The second thing we see here is the commissioning of Barnabas and Saul before they go. It is so important that when God calls someone to leave where they are and move on and go to another location, for whatever reason, that is done properly and that the leaders and church members get the opportunity to lay hands and pray for them. 
We will do this for Mike and Joe before they move on. We might not be able to lay hands on them, but we will have a time of praying for and releasing them. Once we have a date, we will let you know so that you can seek the Lord for them and have something from Him for them when we do it. When Jill and I left South Africa to go and church plant in Blantyre, Malawi, our last Sunday in the church was such a special time for us. The leaders and the church gathered around us to pray and prophesy over us. And the words that were given to us have had such an impact in our lives. When we were going through tough times, we could recall those words and be encouraged and know that what we were doing was God's plan for us. We had not gone out on our own, but with the full backing and love of the church in South Africa. Now, one of the words spoken over us was that going to Malawi was the start of the journey. So we knew that we would not be in Malawi forever, that one day God would call us to move again. Eleven and a half years later, we were given a word that God would be moving us on within two years. That was February 2008. And in February 2010, we handed over the church. And on the 6th of March 2010, we arrived in the UK to work with the church for two years. God then opened the doors for us to take over Leading Grace Vineyard in May 2012. Will we move on again? We don't know. God does, but until he tells us we are here, you're stuck with us. But moving on. Barnabas, Saul and John Mark head to the coast to get on a ship to sail to Cyprus. They arrive on the east coast and begin meeting and preaching in the synagogues. While traveling through the whole island until they end up in Paphros on the west coast. Here they encounter a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet who has the ear of the proconsul, the Roman leader on the island. We read in Acts 13 from the second half of verse 7 through to 12. Sergius Paulus, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. When God calls us to go and reach out to those who do not know him, and we find someone who is interested to know about Christ and salvation, Oftentimes, we will also face opposition, just as Barnabas and Saul experienced here. This is why it's so important that we go in the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. If we try to do it in our own strength, we'll struggle and almost certainly fail. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to encounter God before we go out to encounter people. What I find fascinating about this portion of scripture is that Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
speaks to Elymas and declares over him the exact same experience that he had when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. A loss of sight and the need to be led by someone. Did Elymas have the same outcome as Paul and come to faith? We don't know. What Paul does here is demonstrate the power that God gives us, you and me, through the Holy Spirit over evil forces. We don't need to back down or be afraid of the enemy. He is always subject to the authority and power of God. When there is a demonstration of the power of God over evil, people nearly always come to faith. They can't dismiss what they have just seen or experienced. That is why when you pray for someone and they experience a touch from God, you need to invite them to say yes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is what happened to the proconsul. He saw the power of God at work and he believed. Then they sail on, and so must we. Acts chapter 13 and verse 13 to 16. From Paphos, Paul and his companions companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, Listen to me. Verse 13 is a pivotal verse in this chapter. Once more, there is a change. Actually, there are two changes. Firstly, a shift in focus away from Barnabas as the lead character. And secondly, a name change for Saul. From now on, he is called Paul and is the lead character. Also, John Mark leaves him and heads back to Jerusalem. Something to remember for the future. I'm not going to read Paul's sermon to the gathered worshippers. You can read that in your own time. I believe that Luke included this teaching so that we would have an idea of what Paul taught when he addressed the various groups that he spoke to in the different locations, showing clearly that Jesus is the Messiah, quoting scripture that the Jews would have known. I do want to look at two verses. and At verse 26, where it says, Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. This was not a congregation just of Jews, but also God-fearing Gentiles. Paul is saying that God's salvation is offered to all people, not just the Jews. And then verse 38 says, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Our sins are forgiven only through Jesus. This message is still still true today. But the problem is most people don't believe in sin anymore. Sin is no longer a word in our modern day vocabulary. When I was a kid, an unmarried couple living together was said to be living in sin. It was frowned upon. When Jill started teaching, now I'm giving away a bit of her age, in the mid-60s, If a teacher was found to be unmarried and living with someone, they would lose their job. Today, it is totally accepted. They are no longer living in sin, but living with their partner or soulmate or other half. 
it is no longer seen as a sin. The devil has so deceived society that sin doesn't exist anymore, that if you believe that it does, you're seen as archaic, ultra-conservative, closed-minded, bigoted, a prude, or religious fanatic. The truth of God's word is no longer the foundation of society, and that is why the word sin has disappeared from our vocabulary. But God's word is very clear. Sin exists, and there are consequences to our sin. But God gives us hope too. Paul expands on this in his letter to the Romans. I'm going to look at four quick verses. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 5 8 it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 10.9, it says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That is the Roman road of salvation. Getting back to Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were invited to come back the next week, which they did, as did most of the city. This caused the Jews to become jealous and say nasty things about Paul's message. Again, we come to another pivotal moment. Verses 46 and 47. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul and Barnabas begin to move their focus from the Jews to the Gentiles, for which I am eternally grateful. But Paul never gives up meeting with and speaking to the Jews. He always has a longing to see them come to salvation through Jesus Christ. It is a longing that we should ha all have to see people become disciples of Jesus Christ. I want to finish off with the last four verses of Acts 13, verses 49 to 52. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wherever God is on the move, there will be persecution of those who are involved in the move of God. Paul and Barnabas do what Jesus told the 72 to do when he sent them out. They shook the dust from their feet and went to another city. But they left behind a number of disciples who were full of the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. There are times when we have to endure persecution and hang in where God has placed us. And there are times when we have to follow the example of Paul and Barnabas and move on. It takes discernment and the leading of the Holy Spirit to get it right. When you are reaching out to someone, longing for them to come to faith in Jesus Christ, and they rebuff you at every turn. Sometimes the best thing to do is walk away. 
but keep praying for them and ask God to bring other disciples across their path who will do what you couldn't do. This is especially true when it comes to close family members. Never stop praying for them. Never give up hope of them coming to salvation. But accept that you are not the one to bring them to that place. God has someone who can do it. It's just not you. In summary, what have we learned from this chapter? Firstly, God wants the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to reach everyone, everywhere. Secondly, prayer and fasting are two important spiritual practices that help us hear clearly from God. Thirdly, send your best, not your problems. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit in us is greater than any evil that we might face. You'll experience opposition, fifthly, and persecution when you see spiritual success and breakthrough. And sixthly, know when to walk away and give the problem over to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in me and every other believer who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you that you desire to use each one of us to demonstrate the power of God to those who don't know you. Father God, I ask that you give us wisdom to know when to be bold and overcome the opposition by your power, and when to be wise and give the situation over to you and walk away. Help us to have a heart for those who do not know you, and lead us each day to live our lives in such a way that we always bring glory and honor to you. Amen. There will be some questions to look at in, the, in our breakout groups. Enjoy your time together in the breakout group. God bless.